Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. So I am delighted today to have Trent Williams, founder and CEO of U.S. Debt Solutions as my special guest on this episode of Next Chapters. If you've been listening, you know I'm featuring interesting people who've taken risks and reinvented themselves by changing their careers or selling a business or buying a business or starting a business by retiring, by refiring, just by following their dreams. So welcome, Trent. Good to be here, Joanne. Thank you for the invitation to join you and your listeners. You know, you have a very interesting story. You went from a very successful career in banking to founding a company that actually helps people, individuals, anyone deal with their debt without filing a lawsuit. Do I have that right? Um, Help them actually deal with their debt once they've been sued by a consumer a company for non-payment of that debt, and in ninety-nine percent of the cases, help them avoid bankruptcy. In some cases, bankruptcy is the right option for them, but for the vast majority, it's just settling that lawsuit and helping them avoid wage garnishment or asset seizure. Okay, so part of the work that you do is really in helping them to reclaim their financial stability and to not be afraid of impending lawsuits. Correct. Okay, that's interesting. All right, so I have to ask this, and this is not on the list of questions. What in the world got you interested in this? So I think, you know, much of my career I stumbled into um, was not by design, obviously probably by God's design. But um, after I retired from banking, which I know we'll get into, uh, looking for that next thing to do. And so... um, After I left banking, I went into consulting because I was very good at growing businesses. That's how I got promoted through Bank of America and their predecessors and the other banks to be able to have that successful banking career. So when I got out, I felt I was a natural-born consultant. And so part of that last part of banking, I was actually consulting to help grow revenue, change culture, get the right people in. And so all of the experience that I had in my career helped me to mold myself into being able to offer that type of guidance for a fee. And so when I left banking, retired, I looked to see what are the other needs uh, were. My skill set could really be put into place. And so I started this uh, recruiting company because I was very good through my banking career at recruiting and finding the right talent. So started that career um, eight months later, COVID hit. And so you think about recruiting. Yeah. No one's hiring. Everybody's laying <laughs> off. So you talk about the absolute worst timing to start a um, a new business, a new recruiting business. That was it. So, of course, then you pivot. It's like, okay, what's the biggest need out there? So with COVID, everyone's losing their jobs. Everyone's depending upon their credit cards to just yep. be able to get by, not able to pay those credit cards. And so the credit card industry was just exploding but it was also exploding with defaults. And mm. it's like, ha, huh, 
Mm-hmm. There's a need. And so um, got together with a couple of uh, friends of mine and we started talking about how do we address this need and at the same time provide a service to those most in need, which would be poor individuals, black and brown individuals that are that are f- afraid of the legal system. And I knew banking. Um, but what I didn't know was data extraction and technology. Uh, I knew people. Um, and um, one of the other individuals, so Alfonso Brooks, Elvin Rivera, the three of us spent a lot of time just talking about how do we pull this business together and actually provide a need and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. And so we spent probably weeks upon weeks upon weeks researching um, debt uh, relief companies, debt consulting companies, data extraction companies, uh, the pitfalls within this industry, the growth within this industry. Um, And we put a business plan together. Um, Having spent 30 years in banking, the one thing that I know that you don't do, having helped other individuals start businesses while I was in the banking industry, I know you got to start with a business plan. And it Mm -hmm. has to be refined and retweaked. And it has to have best case scenario, worst case scenario, um, and all of those factors built in and the expenses. Uh, But before going into that, you have to have a nest egg that you can uh, rely on because your first six, eight, sometimes 12 months in business, you're not making money, especially if you have employees, because you have to make sure that you pay all your expenses and pay your employees. And oftentimes, whatever's left, you as the owner would be able to uh, recapture. So I'm curious about this desire. You saw the need and you felt compelled to help these people. Let's talk a little bit about that. I think I think service is in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly married uh, someone who's who bleeds service. Yes. Uh, and so um, breathes service, <laughs> bleeds service, lives service. And, um, you know, early on in our marriage, you know, I was that individual that was working hard, uh, working late at night. Uh, and service to me was writing a check to help organizations. And so uh, when I started in the management training program at what was a predecessor of Bank of America, Sovereign Bank, the executive said, you know, one of the things that you have to do in order to be promoted is give back to your community. And we recommend United Way. And mm-hmm. so I've been in um, in partnership with United Way since 1987. Okay. Uh, but it started as writing a check, writing mm-hmm. a percentage, like we would give our tithes, we'd write a percentage of our income to United Way. Uh, and that was an expectation that was drilled in at a very early age when I started working. And so, you know, service morphed from writing a check to marry my wife and her saying, you know, Service isn't just writing a check. You got to roll your sleeves up and get to work and actually meet people where they are. And so hearing that day in, day out, um, seeing need that is out there in the community um, and using the skills, tools uh, that I've that I've built and gained in knowledge in my career kind of all morphed together to um, being sympathetic to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spent of that 30 years, I've spent. 20 plus years in wealth management. So I really didn't see a lot of need in my work because I was working with super wealthy, rich people, business owners, um, Mm -hmm. and spent most of my time um, in that community. And so one could say I could have had a blind eye to people of, of 
blight and plight. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife quickly um, pulled me uh, into being able to see that um, I was isolating myself and my service to an area that um, that where, where there was not as much need as there were other areas where she was concentrating efforts on. So my wife helped me see uh, areas that I had a blind spot for. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to um, uh, quickly change that and, and spend that time. And so, you know, I've always been involved in boards, but a lot of the boards I was involved in, there was just a uh, need for giving as opposed to actually working with the individuals they were working with. And so after I retired from banking, I dove in uh, with both feet into the world of actually working with individuals that were having difficulty um, buying food, um, uh, being able to afford their medicine, being able to buy, um, you know, the just the essentials, um, rent, being able to afford, you know, to live where they're living without their landlord increasing their rent year over year. And so I think all of that kind of, you know, w- was put in a melting pot and helped to create that sensitivity that I see now for individuals in need. So will you tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you're, I know you are super involved here in Howard County in our community. Um, will you tell us just a little bit more about where you serve and how you serve. Absolutely. And, you know, most of my service was done in Baltimore because oh, I, didn't know that. Because I was downtown Baltimore for uh, we've we've been here 24 years now. So um, 18, 19 of those years I worked downtown. And so I served downtown. I was on the board for uh, the Maryland Science Center. I was on the board for Living Classrooms Foundation that works with individuals that are coming out of prison um, and helping them to avoid uh, recidivism, Uh, working with individuals, young people to help them um, make sure that, you know, they had a pathway to success and not that cycle of, of, of poverty and prison that we would see uh, in the inner cities in Baltimore. Uh, but most of my work was done with United Way. Uh, United Way, I probably was on their board eight years. Um, and uh, that was one of the two most favorite boards and the longest serving time that I would spend on boards. That and my current board in Baltimore, which is Baltimore Regional Housing Partnership, which helps individuals move out of areas of low opportunity, poor schools, um, um, no access to, to jobs into counties where they can thrive, better schools, better opportunity for jobs, Baltimore County, Howard County. And so in partnership with Baltimore Regional Housing Partnership, we do a lot of work in Howard County. And so, you know, some of the other boards that I serve on them in Howard County, um, my fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma, uh, I served um, in the executive role for several years and was president um, for uh, four of those years uh, serving and, you know, working with the school systems and young children and working with um, the Howard County Food Bank to get food to individuals. You know, we have a lot of kids that are on free and reduced meals. And so that's great during the week, but on the weekend, where do they turn to? Yeah. So we would work with the food bank and other uh, um, groups to help get food to them so that they would have food for the weekend. Um, and then 
was introduced to the African-American Community Roundtable by my wife, Tracy <laughs> Williams, um, and got involved. Tracy is a force of nature for yeah, service. It's hard to say no, especially <laughs> when she's your wife and she's looking at you every day. <laughs> what are you going to do? And so, um, you know, was a member of the African-American Community Roundtable for several years. She took a leadership role as president. And so I told her that I would uh, support her and support the finances of the organization. So I've been treasurer. I've just finished out my first term and um, considering uh, a second term as treasurer. But, um, you know, you think about Howard County and all the wealth that is in this area, you don't think about there being homelessness, mm-hmm. poverty, mm-hmm. right here in one of the wealthiest uh, counties chronic, with the greatest school system. homelessness. Yes. Yep. And so there's a lot of need in this community. And so, you know, between my fraternity and the African-American Community Roundtable and what I'm doing with Baltimore Regional Housing Partnership, where I'm also treasurer of the, um, of the board and um, uh, chair their finance committee, with the work that we do in Howard County, there's a lot of need here. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I did not know that when I was working in Baltimore and had my blinders on and just focused on my work and the couple of uh, nonprofits I was working with. What I love about your story is that, yep, you have built this very successful company, U.S. Debt Solutions, and you have stayed true to your core values at the same time and have not given up your focus on service and on serving God's people. And I love that because I think sometimes people think it's either or, and what you're showing us is that it's both and, that you can build a business and have a desire to build a business and still do things that serve people. The other connection that I see is that your business provides a really important service to people, typically um, poor people, and your life provides a really important service. So I think that that congruence is important, and I'm glad that you brought that up. I want to talk a little bit more about how you felt when you initially had this idea and did this work with your colleagues, your friends, to come up with U.S. Debt Solutions. Was there any trepidation? Was there any, oh, I don't really want to, I'm retired, I don't want to do this much work. What were some of your feelings? So, no, I I was looking for that next thing because I'm just coming off of a failed business. So Mm -hmm. this recruiting business, which was a great idea in my head, I had prepared for you know, those external factors, mm-hmm. which you can never anticipate nor control, certainly um, came in and helped me recognize that this is not going to work. Um, and so I had to pivot. Mm-hmm. And that's not one of the things that I learned um, in in my banking career, because everything uh, was pretty much, um, the focus was pretty much always on growing the business, expanding the business, expanding my territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, what made me want to start this business was getting back into that thrill of running an expansive territory. Mm-hmm. And so when we started discussing uh, Maryland, we looked at where are some of the other areas that look like Maryland are larger and can provide us with access to data, Uh, access to communities that are in need and allow us to put our service uh, and our skill sets to work and be able to um, 
scale this business. That's mm-hmm. that's what we were looking to do was scale uh, because everything I did in banking was grow my territories. I was able to scale every market that they put me into and I wanted to be able to continue to do that, um, but just in a new industry. And so the, the fear was, okay, what could come around the pike that could derail this? Like I just got derailed a few years earlier mm-hmm. with my recruiting business and um, didn't see anything. You know, um, the only thing that could could stop um, the success of this business is if I was not able to get data. Mm-hmm. And so as long as I can get data, as long as I have a company that can at least extract data, um, provide it to me so that I can then tweak it into marketing letters, um, then, then, then we're good for this business and we can scale this business as we get into other markets. Um, but the but the fear and trepidation was, okay, I no longer have a big name bank behind my name. I'd always have the biggest business card in the room, but I was carrying another company's business card. Now I'm carrying my business card with my name and everything that um, touches this organization, U.S. Debt Solutions, um, has my name behind it. And so, mm-hmm. you know. Your name, your reputation. Right. You're the brand. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, anything, you know, one slip up could derail that. Um, but what if I didn't get, what if I didn't have success? What if we, you know, we were thought of as one of these other organizations that take advantage of individuals? Because there's, there's a lot of fraud mm-hmm. in this business, unfortunately. There are a lot of companies that are out there that will say they'll do this for you. You pay them a fee and they go away. They file bankruptcy. They reorganize under another name and do the same thing. And so um, what if individuals look at me as um, another company that is just trying to get their money and not provide a service and and just commit fraud? Mm-hmm. And that's reality. Yep. And, they, and there were individuals that, that thought of that, yep. of me. And I'm, that's my name. And I'm like, I have always had a great reputation right. in this community in this field or any field that I've been in. Um, and so, you know, that was, that, that was hurtful that, sure. that people would take the good work that I've done, um, in 30 years of a very thriving career, um, and look at me still in this local market as somebody attempting fraud. Okay. And so that was the, the, the pediment of having a brick and mortar office. So people could come by, kick the tires, see that we are legit, got a name on the door, mm-hmm. name downstairs in the directory, have, a, have an office um, whereby you can come and find us. Mm-hmm. And that really helped our business. I like that. I like that. And I like the fact that you acknowledged the failure of the first business and the fears going into the second because I, I hate this phrase that people use, failure is not an option. I think that is the stupidest thing to say because we learn from our failures. We learn. We grow from our failures. And if you're going to try anything, failure is an option and it's a real possibility. Yes. But it doesn't have to be final. Right. So, but, um, so you know, uh, Alfonso Brooks, uh, he was our technology guy. He helped with those aspects of the business that I'm, I just... You know, never mm-hmm. focused on, never had to focus on, and and pretty much was ignorant to the technology aspects of you know what we needed in the office in order for you know the phone systems to be integrated, for the internet systems to be integrated, and be able to um, 
to be able to have a strong connection throughout that that office space, um, how the telephone systems would work so that we could listen into phone calls of employees and be able to to match that. And, and Elvin uh, Rivera, um, he had the staffing side of it as well as the knowledge of how to connect that telephone system with being able to listen into your employees to make sure they're representing the company in mm-hmm. the way in which you want it represented. And so those aspects, I didn't have those skill sets. And so mm-hmm. these two individuals uh, who are part of the company did and do have those um, those skill sets, which were able to help us tie everything together so that there was nothing that was needed as far as knowledge, information, um, access to information that wasn't provided or we didn't have an avenue to be able to get that. So you did thorough preparation. One of my observations of of people when they say, I want to start a business is that they run out and they get their, you know, they get their DBA and all that stuff. And when you ask them the question, the questions, the real questions about the business plan and the preparation, it's like they kind of gloss over. And I love the fact that you were wise enough to know what you didn't know and to bring in people who did know that. So that's a really, to me, it's a good thing. As we wrap up, I want to ask you, so you had this desire. What would you tell people? What advice would you give people who also have a desire to start a business? What are the things that you would say? I would say that, you know, throughout your working career, you've developed entrepreneurial aspects that you may not know about, things that you're doing um, as an employee working for somebody else um, that you are very good at, very passionate about. Those are the things that translate very easily into that entrepreneurial spirit that then allow you to start a business. Um, You know, find your passion. What is it that you want to do? Because when you when you work in an f- area of passion, it's not really work. Yep. It's a combination of work and service um, that 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 you find yourself, and you're willing to work those long hours, which you have to. If you if you are starting a business, owning a business, growing a business, um, time is not your friend. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you 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 have to, you know, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's my mantra. Uh, because if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, be prepared. A business plan is is your foundation of starting a business. You got to have a business plan. You have to tweak it. You have to anticipate the best and the worst of times. Um, You have to have a little bit of money saved up so that you can rely on that because you don't want to be stressed about money and take your focus off of what you're doing, which is trying to start or grow your business. Um, And and don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, The state of Maryland has tremendous resources within the Small Business Administration, within county government of agencies that are there just to help provide guidance for new businesses. Um, When we were looking at starting going into different states, I would call those agencies and they have retired business executives that are there to give you advice. Mm-hmm. And to point you in the right direction when you have a question. If you're not leaning into the resources that are out there to help you start, grow, or expand your business, um, then you're missing a tremendous free 
might I say, free Free. (laughs) resource. And we love free as business owners. If you can get a consultant that you can call and bounce an idea off of, that consultant is your consultant. Mm -hmm. And they are paid by the state to help you be successful. And so find those resources out there. Talk to your friends about your fears and areas that you're not prepared to tackle. Because I'm sure you have within your network somebody that knows something that you don't know that can help you be able to narrow that knowledge gap. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this part of your story with us, with me. And I'm wondering if you'd consider coming back. I want to talk about some of the hurdles that you've overcome and how you overcame those hurdles. Um, So you going to come back? Yes. Yes. We'll definitely come back. Now, if one of my listeners wants your services, how do they find you? How do they reach you? So we have a website, um, usdebtsolutionsllc.com, which has our contact information on there and the services that we provide. Individuals that are facing a lawsuit, I plead to you, do not ignore the lawsuit because what will happen is the courts will render a decision in favor of the plaintiff, Bank of America, um, CQ, Wells Fargo, who have you. And then that allows the attorneys that are representing those consumer companies to file a wage garnishment or asset seizure against you. And if you're up for a promotion and your manager gets a wage garnishment request to garnish your wages, you can probably kiss that promotion goodbye. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to negotiate a settlement plan with these attorneys. These attorneys are not monsters. They're compassionate individuals that are just paid to do something by the consumer companies, but they have feelings and they have compassion towards everyone's plight, and they're willing to set up a payment plan to help avoid all of the negative things that come from ignoring a lawsuit. Uh, but, you know, they can they can reach out to us at 301-328-8541. We provide service for a fee. We also provide services for free. I have compassion for our seniors that have to decide between paying this bill that they're being sued for or buying their medicine that they need. Yep. And our seniors need to know that the federal government protects them against creditors coming after their social security checks. And, you know, I say to them, a creditor can't touch your social security check, nor your bank account that your social security check goes into, if that's your only source of income. So if you have to decide between the two, know that the federal government is providing a mandate to creditors that there are certain things they can't touch from our seniors. Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. A lot of them do not know that. And for our seniors, I provide advice. I will be on the phone with them for 20, 30 minutes, consulting with them for free to help them out of their situation. I love that. Again, I love that you have taken your your core value for service and used it in this business that is not just a money-making business. So I love that. And I'm grateful that you will come back. Absolutely. Great being here with you, Joanne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe if you haven't already. I add new and relevant leadership learning all of the time. If you haven't visited the Smichael Speaks YouTube channel, check it out. There's all sorts of new content. 
All of this is virtual leadership learning that will help you soar.